Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. when he appears on the Martha Dean program. He speaks so politely and so sensibly, but when he comes on that idiotic nightly program of his and he blows those horns and he makes those silly sounds, I can't understand. I'm going to write to the man. in a generation a voice arrives on the scene that speaks for all men <laughs> who speaks in tones so unmistakably clear and so cutting and incisive to the total feeling the bearing of the time that he speaks for all his fellows is it Napoleon Bonaparte is it Earl Wilson? <laughs> Thank you, uh, please. Uh, well, the station insisted that I have a big opening. And they said, uh, gotta have to have it big. By the way, uh, for those of you who are crime cuckoos, who are fans of crime out there, we'd like to salute tonight. Uh, reset that, if you will, Jim, please. We'd like to uh, salute the situation that's going on in Lansing, Michigan. One missing key has thrown the police and the city traffic division into a very awkward predicament. The trouble is that the missing key is the master key for each of the city's parking meters. And to make matters worse, whoever's got the key knows what it's for. 
Police say that at least 200 parking meters have been uh, cleverly emptied in the downtown area since the key was reported missing last Thursday. There was no estimate on the amount of money involved. The police chief said that the key was one of several on a ring which was lost by, quote, and we quote here, an ex-city employee. Oh, I knew you would do it. <laughs> Thank you. Hold it. Hold it there. Hold it there. Somehow, I, you know. Hey, you know, I wonder if you suffer from key fallout, which is a problem that I have suffered from. I, I just uh, don't know whether there's any medical, uh, any doctors out there who are hip to uh, esoteric uh, medical problems. We'd like to hear from you, and uh, we want to hear all your credentials, though, before we listen seriously to you. Good morning, Nick. Is uh, the question I would like to ask Nick? Do you have this problem? Do you suffer from key fallout? By key fallout, I mean key. You know, keys, brass keys. You know, that fit into Yale locks. Do you find yourself over the year collecting large numbers of keys for things which you can't remember they're for? And uh, eventually, you have a whole mob of keys, and and you they begin to descend into drawers around your pad. And you, you can't throw them away because you know they're for something important, right? And <laughs> the key fallout. Now, I wonder whether or not there's a company that goes around and plants them on you. Some kind of a promotion or something. I don't know because I, I, I don't have any locks that I ever open with keys. And yet, I have a key ring that has over six pounds of keys on it. Now, I, I know that at one time, I know that at one time they must have been very important for something. But I can't figure out what it is. And the worst part of it is, is that the locks that I do have to open, I never really have the key for them. I, I haven't been, you know, I haven't gotten in my office now in seven weeks. I don't know who has the key to that. I just go in and I sit in Martha Dean's office for a while, you know, and I blow my nose floating and I leave. And that's about it. But this is a, a medical problem. I'm sure it has medical, a, a basis in medical fact. I, I'm just curious whether anybody out there has that problem. I... I've, uh, but by the way, speaking of uh, of the key to the parking meters, now I think that's a kind of a groovy little shtick, don't you? You know, have the key to all the parking meters in town, and uh, I kind of like that. Uh, uh, that reminds me of, uh, if I may, uh, you know, if I may digress from the basic serious point of the show, uh, that uh, a thing that occurred up in New England here a couple of years ago. I wonder if any of you heard of it, and if you did, if you can tell me what pike this happened on that uh, up on one of the pikes up in New England. Now, this was not a toll road, a pike, you know, one of these big uh, double-lane, uh, you know, double-quadruple-lane type things with a divided parkway and so forth in there up in uh, New England someplace. But it was a free road, see? It was one of these roads that uh, never had any tolls. Well, one night on a big weekend, this was a couple of years ago, suddenly, without any warning... A toll gate appeared, was placed right in the middle of the road there, had big flashing lights on it, and it, they put a sign. There was a sign up in front of it that says, pay toll ahead, 50 cents. And so <laughs> this thing, I'm serious, this thing swung like a Billy Be Damned the whole weekend. You know, there was a big weekend. It was like, a, like just this past holiday weekend, you know, all these cars rushing through, and everybody comes rushing right up and throws a, half a buck in a guy's hand there. He had this claw hanging out there, you know, and he was wearing a gray uniform, looking very official, see, and uh, on on, the, on his hat he had a badge and it said toll taker, and they they collected for the whole weekend, see. Well, then they mysteriously disappeared. Nobody mentioned it. 
All, all they know, even to this point now, is that that toll takers, that the mysterious disappearing turnpike toll box appeared for at least five weekends. And they would strike at odd places. They wouldn't be at the same place. See, so they somebody would set a trap for him. And they said, we'll get him next week. You know, oh, we wait. Never show up. Nothing. And about 300 miles up the pike, out in the woods someplace, suddenly a lighted toll booth would appear, and motorists would begin to slow up. And you know how we are today. I mean, I, I personally, I think that the, that the toll, uh, uh, particularly on the Merritt Parkway, there's three or four different toll booths up there that I know disappear. I can see them in my mirror as I go past. They go. Just poof. Nothing. And all I know is that I keep throwing those, those, those coins out there. And... Uh, this happened up in New England about two years ago. And I kind of, you know, sometimes late at night, I can, I'm looking up at the seating there, and I can see the, the, out of the swirling mists of time, out of the swirling dark fastnesses uh, of, of, uh, of evil. You see, these are the days of witchcraft. Witchcraft is coming back. I could see the mysterious toll booth appearing out of the darkness. Pursued forever. Eternally, I could see myself going now up a long, vast, curving pike. And I'm always in the exact change lane. But I ain't got no change on me. No change. And I can't get out of the exact change lane. What am I going to do? That great big plastic bucket there. You know, the big plastic bag, that thing that hangs out with holes all over the side of it. I see those guys going through ahead of me. Zing! Zing! They're throwing their quarters in. Shepard is trapped in the vast turnpike traffic jam of time. Horns blowing behind me. Get going, you snob! There I am, in the exact change lane. No way to get out. The car is thundering forward at 700 miles an hour, and I ain't got no change. No change. Oh, my God. Come on, leave him alone, Skip. We got to do a show. Let's go. Pick it up big. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, no, no, no. Help. The reason that you probably notice a terrible strain of hysteria that runs through me tonight, I have just had a magnificent uh, uh, professional uh, professional coup tonight. Let's put it this way. Today, it wasn't tonight. I had a professional, tremendous uh, professional feeling that uh, that I, I, I just uh, I just don't know how to, how to recover from it. I, today, well, I'll give you an idea just how I played it. I'm Cowboy X. I like that. Isn't that kind of a great line? I'm Cowboy X. Yippee! <clears throat> okay. <laughs> it's not easy to holler yippee like that, to, to have hurt your throat sometimes. Also, there was another line. I'm Cowboy X. Woohoo! <clears throat> oh, there goes that thing again. Well, now, what I did today was I played X, the letter X, on Sesame Street. You know how they have these letters, you know, B, D, C, Q? Well, I played all the voices in the little drama introducing letter X. 
I played the townspeople. It's a beautiful little western. It was a shootout right there in the town. Now, yeah, I played Cowboy X. I played the townspeople. One of the townspeople says, "Yeah, I, th- I think I think we ought to see that he's rested. I th- I th- the man's a madman." And I come into town. Another one says, "He's putting X's on everything. The horses, the people, everything, everything here. In the whole town. He's putting X's on everything." And I hollered like this, "I'm Cowboy X!" Woohoo! <clears throat> Silly. Well, here I am, a grown man. And finally, I've reached the peak of my professional prowess, and I'm playing an animated letter X on the Sesame Street show. And I asked the guy, I says, why X? Why X of all the, you know, I'm sitting there talking. By the way, are you aware that the producers of, uh, in fact, the guy that produces those letters looks almost exactly like the Cookie Monster. He does. He's sort of, you know, a chubby guy, and he sits and says, Cookie! Cookie! And I walked in, and I said, what was that? He said, Cookie! And I threw a Nabisco in his trap, and we talked business. Oh, man, I tell you, it's groovy. I mean, being alive. And so I walk in there, and I says to the guy, I says, uh, how come letter X? I mean, you know, there's 42 other letters in the alphabet. How come letter X? He went, okay. I said, okay, I threw him another Nabisco. I could see, he's, you know, bribery. That Bribery is rampant in this business. So I I thrums him another Nabisco, see, and he goes, chocolate chip. I said, oh, you don't want Nabisco. Okay. So I whip out a chocolate chip. You know, I keep these things uh, on. You know, I like to feed account executives and stuff wherever I go. I, I go to a lot of ad agencies from time to time on various nefarious chores. And I carry with me little, you know, little cubes of sugar and things and, and uh, jelly beans and stuff, which I feed the account executives when they get nervous. I do. Yeah, once in a while I'll take out things. I read, I read them a story. I read Little Red Riding Hood the other day to a guy over at Y&R. Got nervous. He was laying on the, on his Bigelow carpet there. He kicked his shoes off. He had a tantrum. He's laying on the floor there. And he was on his uh, teeter-totter board, you know, the teeter-totter boards. So I calmed him down, and I talked to the producer, and I says, How come X, man? Now, come on. Don't give me that cookie jazz. You had all the cookies I'm going to give you. Now, tell me what it is. There's a long pregnant pause. He says, Well, it's typecasting. You should realize that you're a perfect letter X. I said, my God, man, do you realize that letter X stands for brand X? That's the bad brand. That ain't the good brand. That ain't the good, clean-limbed, clear-eyed brand. The David Frost brand. The Dick Cavett brand. How come letter X? He said, just keep it. You're doing good. You just got the right voice. Do it good. Just like that. I said, okay, I'm letter X. By God, I'm letter X. nervous out there. Uh, I don't know when they're going to put it on the air, friends. <laughs> he said he'd call me when my, my big drama gets on. So I don't know. Hey, yes, uh, the secret is out. I do. One one of them looks like a wind-up rat, and uh, the other one looks like he's feeble-minded. So I'm serious, and he is feeble-minded, so uh, <laughs> I'll bring these two. <laughs> and they'll do all their tricks. They have some great tricks, like uh, they jump straight up in the air. Okay, and they're fantastic on a paper. You wouldn't think little dogs like that would have a capacity of that type. Uh, I, this this one dachshund weighs about twelve ounces and can easily get rid of oh eight or nine gallons of fluid. 
uh, not only on the rug, but on the paper, but on the ferns, on your foot. On, uh, <laughs> in fact, has been known to leap in the air and trail fluid through the air, you know, like a, like a shot down Folker. All right, hold on a minute there. <laughs> oh, this is silly. Yeah, which is it, the 4.8 or 4.9, dear? Both? You mean I talk? Oh, yeah, hello. Yeah, chef. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm a touch in New Jersey. Yeah, but touching, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was out that thing in Plainfield. Wasn't that a wild scene? Oh, man, I was right next to the girl who you took in your arms and started kissing. Oh, wow, oh, man. The one you, who gave you the uh, yeah. stickers. Easy, boy, easy. Yeah, the one that says the Kaiser Zeppelin works. Yeah, the Kaiser Zeppelin yeah, works. Them, yeah. Wasn't that a wild afternoon, though? Yeah, whole mess of people. Man. Has Plainfield recovered, do you think? Yeah, nah. Plainfield's going to hell, man. It was great, though, wasn't it? Yeah, that was really wild. All right, see you in Tom's River, Dad. I'll be down there, man. Right, there. right. <laughs> oh, man, it was wild. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah, hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were the kid with a what? Jane Shepard. Oh, wait a minute. We're getting... The, uh, I better not. They're getting all confused here. Oh, man. He was the kid with a green hat. Uh, there were 227 people with green hats at that scene. <laughs> all right, enough of that. But... Uh, you know, I'll tell you, uh, you, you just you just can't uh, you can't keep talent down long. No, you, you just can't. And and I asked the guy, uh, you know, who gave me the job playing uh, playing X. I said, uh, "How'd I do?" He said, "Very good." There's a pause, and he's sitting there, and I'm, you know, it's kind of nice to be told you played X real good, you know. And and uh, there's a pause, and he finally said, "Cookie." I said, okay. I, you know, I, I laid a fig bar on him. And <laughs> that's silly, I'll tell you. You know, it was so funny. Uh, do, you, do you ever have a feeling sometimes in your life that uh, that you really can't make much sense of it? Do you ever have that feeling, Jim? It's a terrible feeling. Uh, by, by making sense. You know, I think many people make a mistake that way. I think people try to make sense out of life. And, of course, it'll drive you up the wall because there's no sense to life. There really isn't. Uh, and that's, that's what really, in a sense, makes it terribly groovy. Because if there was sense to life, if there was sanity, in other words, if, if everything followed a beautifully contrived, uh, modulated, controlled, straight-line pattern, you would go out of your ever-you-know-what-and-bird with total boredom. And the idea that me, a grown-up man, is standing in a studio that was being rented at $12 billion a minute, recording all the voices for letter X to be seen on a show which is observed and applauded mostly by two-year-olds. <laughs> so, uh, I'll tell you, it was... Uh, I, I I don't know whether I'm getting the idea across, but it was it was just it was just right. It was like it was like the day in Plainfield last Thursday when uh, all these people. And there's this old lady comes up saying, "You just don't know what's going to happen." This old lady comes up and she says, "Here," she says, "I want you to sign my book." And I said, "Well, fine, lady. I'm pleased. Uh, I'm really glad. Uh, do you have any questions?" She said, "No. I just want you to sign my book." I said, well, "All right, madam." And she hands me a book called Israeli Cookery. Did you hear what I said? A book called Israeli Cookery. I said, I didn't write this book, madam. She says, what? I says, I didn't write this book. She says, I can't hear you. I said, madam, I didn't write this book. <laughs> oh, yes, that's very nice. Well, would you please sign my book? My car is parked out in front. 
So I said, yes, madam. And I signed this book. <laughs> so, so, you know, it was true madness. So I signed the book as Rady Cookery, and out she goes. You know, I don't know what she thought. Well, about five minutes later, I'm sitting in there. Millions of people are all lined up. Saying, and finally, a guy comes up, and he's got a book in his hand. And he, he looks at me right in the eye. He says, where is she? You know, I, I said, excuse me, sir, who? He said, well, where's this Gene Shepard? I said, well, uh, you're looking, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm Gene Shepard. He said, ah, come on, don't give me this. Gene Shepard's a hillbilly singer. Yeah, well, I wanted to sign my book. I said, well, uh, sorry, uh, I'm not a hillbilly singer. He said, where is she? I don't want no boy. I'm not talking about it. He says, I've been sweating in life for two hours. What do you mean, you know hillbilly singer? I said, no. He said, well, I saw you at the cabbage show one night. You were singing the, all the lonesome road through the Kentucky hills. And I want to. I says, wait, I'll sign it. And I signed the book. He said, oh, thank you, thank you. He said, say hello to, to Jean Shepard when she shows up and uh, give her my love, you know. Oh, God. great sea of life rolls on, endlessly laving the shores of chicanery, and we are tossed mere cockle shells upon the whirling maelstrom of the deep wine-red sea. Oh. Hey, you kind of like that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hold it there, hold it there. Hey, you know, uh, I'll tell you, it's all, you know, it's all coming together. And he said later on, he says, you know, he says, you know, the way you did X, he says, man, you got a firm grasp of this thing. He says, I'm going to put you in to play D. That's <laughs> all so working up the scale. <laughs> you know, speaking of, uh, of books, uh, I have, a, I have a, a, a question here. Now, this, uh, this is a question uh, which uh, has been bothering me for some time. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the question is. If I can get Lee uh, in a minute there, because she's going to get bugged in a minute by all these people calling up if I don't let her know, and she's going to say she didn't hear. But uh, nevertheless, I was sitting on a train one time. How many books do you think you have read in your lifetime, Jim? Jim's our engineer tonight. Eight or nine? Okay. <laughs> that includes two big little books with Mutt and Jeff in them, huh? Well, uh, I, I, uh, I, I personally, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a compulsive reader. I have uh, memorized everything that's on the back of the weedy boxes. I uh, read everything that's on, the, on bottoms of milk bottles. There are times when I've dri been driven so much up the wall for something to read, particularly when you're in a foreign country and everything is written in little squiggly signs. That uh, listen, I've I've even taken my shoes off and read what is written on the heels. <laughs> just uh, somehow, you, you know that terrible feeling you want to read. It's just terrible. Well, one day, I am I'm, I'm uh, in a train. Now, what I was doing in a train, it was one in, in an urban train. You know, these these electric trains, and uh, this train 
went between Chicago and uh, I believe it was the North Shore up in, in the north side of Chicago. You know, these very fast interurban trains. And I'm sitting in this train, and I've made a fantastic mistake, see? Terrible. Uh, I have nothing to read. <laughs> I'm sitting there. And uh, I spend the first ten minutes counting the numbers of gum wads that were stuck on the back of the seat ahead of me. See, and I'm counting that, and I'm, uh, I sit there and I close my eyes and I try to pretend I'm, I'm seeing uh, uh, constellations in the gum wads. Then I, I, I look around and I, I'm looking at the people around me, see, and I'm trying to, to read their lodge pins <laughs> that are on the lapel buttons and that kind of jazzy. Well, finally, it was, it was a long trip. I was, I was going up the wall, see, when I had this unbelievable stroke of good luck. I'm just sitting there scratching, looking up. I'm trying to look for car cards, you know, anything to read, you know, like right guard commercials, anything. So I'm looking around. I can't believe it. There was a rack above me, you know, the kind of rack where you're supposed to put your packages and jazz up there. I look up there, and there is a book in a rack. My God, a book. Well, I look around, and I can see it doesn't belong to anybody. Somebody's left it there, see. So very casually, I stand up like it's my book, you know, like I've always put my book in a rack when I get out. Just me, madam. And I reach up and I grab the book and I sit down and I start reading this damn book. Well, now, there's two problems I have with reading. One, uh, if I don't like a book, it bugs me. But on the other hand, if I do like a book, you know, I just devour it. But when I'm up against the wall, friends, I will read the instructions on how to make an emergency fire department call in the Manchester, New Hampshire phone book and read it over and over again. And I will imagine making calls and I'll do anything, see? Well, I get this book and I start reading it. Now, let me tell you, I want you to listen because I want, I want to get some information. Well, I, I, it was a... It was a it was a book written from the standpoint of a guy talking about his wife or something. It was a, 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 talking about this woman. See, it, was, it was supposed to be funny, I guess. And uh, I was reading this thing, and the train is rocking along. And I'm reading the book, and uh, of course it was great to have a book. So at first, the, the rush of just seeing plain printed words on a page and not having to look at the red neck of the guy in front of me and, and look at all the gum wads on the seat, and that's all... I, at first, I was delighted, see, and I started to read this book. Well, I'm reading. I'm a, I'm a fairly fast reader, see, so I read. It wasn't a very thick book either, hardcover. So I read this book up to about, uh, oh, I'd say roughly the middle of it, and it stopped in the middle, at which point the, there, was a, there was a page in there that said, now to get the other side of the story, turn the book over and read from the back of the book forward. And it was written from the woman's standpoint about the same guy where I'd read the first half. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Did any of you ever hear of this book? It was a clinker of the first order. <laughs> and I will ask you a, 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 a question of true dynamic trivia. Who wrote it? Now, I'm sure you know. You know everything. You don't know? Who wrote it? Well, it was a book that was designed to be turned over. I should have known right there that I was in the hands of a charlatan. But uh, you were supposed to turn it over and read it from the other side. Well, here's the thing that bugs me. Now, I'm going to tell you what I did. I start reading the second half of this book, and it starts to suck me in. 
against my will. I'm being sucked in. See, I'm suddenly involved in this thing. And all of a sudden, the train stopped at my my station. Well, without thinking, I jumped up, and I'm, I'm running around, saying, I've got my bag stuck. I had an overnight bag underneath the, the seat. See, and I'm getting a bag, and I rush out, and the train leaves, and I have left the book on the seat. I don't know how it came out. What a cockamamie book. Now, this also happened to me one other time. Oh, I mean, I lost a book. You know, you know there's, there's no, uh, this, this is not a myth. Anytime you give a book to somebody else to read, that is a gone book. It is a fact. Yes, no way to, to get around it. Once you hand out a book you got, especially, and they only ask for ones you like. Remember that. I've never had a guy come in and say, Hey, hey, that's what I wanted to read. Look, I see you got up on your shelf there. 1932 tax reports for the county of Salem in the state of Illinois. That's a groovy book. I want to read that. Never. Never. They always come and they want the only book, you know, that I've got that I read. And so me, being a sap and a fool, I say, Oh, sure. Why? It's great. Fine. Never hear the son of a gun again. He disappears in the midair. He's gone. I have never borrowed a book. I wish I, I could honestly say I got somebody else's book. Who is it who gets all of, you know, the real people's books? So, nevertheless, I'm, I, I, I had another thing happen. I mean, one time I'm in a USO. I, now, listen to this now. I'm in a USO. And, and I'll tell you where it was. It was in Newark. Newark. It was in Newark, New Jersey. And I, I, was, I was in the Army, of course. And uh, I'm, I'm bound on another one of those feckless voyages that one is always bound on in the Army, see? And so I wander into the USO. I had about a oh, couple of hours to kill before this thing was to leave that I was involved in, see? So I walk into the Newark USO. I can't even remember where it was. All I know, it was the Newark USO. I walk into the USO, and there's all these nice ladies in there. And they're serving the usual tuna fish salad sandwiches. And the usual donuts, and the usual coffee scene. There's a, always there's the usual harassed-looking guy sitting over there frantically writing the endless letter that he writes on USO stationery to this chick who was given him the mitten two years ago, only he doesn't know it. And uh, you can always tell. <laughs> Terrible, man. You know, I actually did know a guy named John who did get a Dear John letter. It started right out with Dear John. I don't know how to tell you this. And John, yes, and, and if, you're, if you're curious, his name was John W. Herndon. PFC John W. Herndon. And PSOS again tonight. Oh, wow. He's sitting there. Wow, wow. Well, let's see. And he opens this letter. And I'm sort of snoozing away now on my bunk, which is something I did a great deal of the time when I was in the Army, see. And I hear a funny strangling sound next to me. <gasps> something like that. I'm See, I'm, I'm attempting... Uh, this is the kind of sound that uh, old Cary Grant does not make in the movies when he's just been given the mitten by a chick. But it's the sound that a PFC makes. Uh, <laughs> so John W. Herndon goes, <gasps> I turn like that, see, and, and I can see Herndon, and it, his face is purple. I said, what's, what's up, Herndon? Hey, John, John, listen to me. What's up? <gasps> I said, Herndon. I said, hey, Gasser, Herndon's choking. I think he swallowed his bubble gum. <laughs> I tell you, 
was kind of a laugh fiasco. This is, you know, sad thing is that your the dramatic moments of your life don't actually work the way they should work, see? So Herndon, without saying a word, shoves this letter in my hand. It was written on light blue stationery in green ink, and it had this soft fragrance, you know, of Woolworth's Radio Girl Silver Moonbeam perfume. And uh, he hands it to me, and I took one look at the top, and all it said was, Dear John, I don't know how to tell you this. I said, Oh, God, no. I said, John W. Herndon, you have actually received a genuine Dear John letter. Yeah. Oh. What am I going to do? He says, well, what is there to do? I says, I'll tell you what I suggest you do. Why don't you go into Joplin, Missouri tonight and make up for lost time? Which he did. Three weeks later, he was paraded before the company as the terrible example of what happens to those who ignore the VD films. Help me! <laughs> Cut it out, you son of a gun. Smart guy. I don't like that. But uh, this, uh, you know, life, uh, I mean, life is a chola berries. Hey, that reminds me. Uh, did anybody know what that book was? They don't know what that book was, which you had to read from the front and the back, and one was written from the man's standpoint. And these two people had split. That's it. The guy and his chick. What was the name of the book? Well, I, I, you know, this not that it's important, but it's always bugged me. I always remember, and I keep explaining to people, hey, did you ever read a book that you have to read? They all say, huh, what? That poor author, he must have sold 12 copies. And I got one of them, you know, and even that I forgot it. <laughs> well, this happened to me once in... in uh, I, I, the only time I really remember leaving a book that really bugged me was I was in this USO, see? I, I, you didn't think I was going to get back there, did you? Well, I'm walking around a USO, and, and I'm about to I'm about to go on this feckless voyage, see? I'm walking around the USO, eating all the tuna salad sandwiches I can lay my hands on. And they, it, was, it was one of those bad USOs. You know, some USOs have got real groovy-looking chicks in them. Other USOs have got motherly ladies like um, Mary Worth out of the comics, you know? Well, this one was manned entirely by Maggie Worths and Apple Annie's. So... I'm, yeah, and so I'm, and there were a couple of Marjorie Mains were in there too, you know. So I'm walking around the USO, and I squat down in this big old chair, and just kind of killing time. That is correct. That is correct. That is a book that was written by the guy that wrote Anti Mame. <laughs> Thank you. Boy, there's somebody else out there was a victim, huh? Oh, what? Uh, you just pointed to something? Well, we've already mentioned Red Bank, haven't we? Oh, no. Hey, uh, right? And I, I rush into the train, carrying my barracks bag and carrying with me this book. Well, I get on a train, see, and then I have a big hassle with the MPs once I get on the train because of something in my past. A whole lot of stuff was going on, and uh, guys were getting on and off, and people were yelling and hollering, and finally I got settled down in the seat... I turned around, and somebody had stolen my book that I got from the USO in Newark, New Jersey. Ever since that day, I have been very careful about Newark, New Jersey. 
I have always, you know, I've always been careful about Newark, New Jersey. Real careful. Friends, I just want to tell you, once you've played Cowboy X, ain't no place you can go after that. You've nibbled at the seat of greatness. You've stood in the, you stood in the footprints and the tracks of inviolable drama of the ages. You stood there right next to Aeschylus and Sophocles. Aeschylus aside, didn't he play for the Cubs one time? It was a fantastic double play combination. Yeah, they used to great Greek cooking too. By the way, bring it up there, big there. <laughs> It's a silly night. I'm the kid with the green hat. Hi, <laughs> kid. How are you? <laughs> All right, let's blow that horn. Big, 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 big. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, them horses are scalloping. But, uh, speaking of horses, I was uh, I was uh, quite uh, surprised to hear that uh, now the Off-Track Betting Corporation has uh, decided to let you bet on credit. Oh, my God, where is it going to end? Yeah, you can bet on credit now. Did you hear about that? Pretty soon you can do it on your, you know, your Diners Express, uh, Diners Club card. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, we're all going to live to burn in hell. That's my Greek chorus working back there. Aeschylus and Sophocles. Fantastic juggling combination. Oh, woe is me. What books this cruise that I carry? Yeah.